Good morning. It is Thursday, November 2nd. It is seven minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And we begin the show today talking about what everybody in the great state of Indiana is talking about, but not only the state of Indiana, the entire country. And that is the passing of Bob Knight, the Hall of Fame coach who guided Indiana University's men's basketball program to three NCAA national championships, passed away after a series of of recent illnesses. He was 83. There are certain people, and it is very rare in society to find these people, but they are bigger or they become bigger than the thing that they do or the institution that they are a part of. And I'm going to I'm going to tell this story, which I think is the best possible description of what I'm talking about, about how Bob Knight, in many ways, was actually bigger than IU basketball itself. So I was very little, I don't know, four, maybe five years old. Mm-hmm. And this was the height of the Indiana high school basketball fever. It was in and around the time that, you know, Damon Bailey was playing and Eric Montrose and all of these guys, you know, who became Indiana high school basketball legends. And it was at a time where if you had high profile high school basketball names um, playing of any sort, you could you could fill up any high school basketball stadium. Obviously, that no longer exists today. It's, they have totally, the IHSAA has totally ruined it with class basketball, and it's a fraction of what it once was. But, this, this so this was, like I said, late 80s, maybe early 90s. I don't know the exact time, but it's, it's one of my earliest childhood memories. So there's this arena full of people. There are these very high-profile high school basketball people playing. There's multiple named coaches who are in the arena scouting these various players. And at some point, Bob Knight walks into the arena. Not like there's a spotlight on him. It's not like there's an announcement from the public address announcer, hey, Bob Knight is here. It's not like he's coming out with rockets, red glare, lots of bombs in the air. He simply walks into the arena. And I am te- I am telling you right now, Casey, mm-hmm. to a person. I don't know how many people were there that day. 7,000, 8,000, 10,000, shoulder to shoulder, an arena full of people, and every single human being in that place stopped watching the basketball game, Mm -hmm. looked over at Bob Knight, and there was an audible gasp in the entire arena that Bob Knight had simply walked into the place. And I will never, ever forget that. And that is, to me, the best analogy, best story you can come up with about what Bob Knight was and what he meant to generations, plural, of people. He was bigger than the institution itself. He was bigger than the basketball program itself. He was simply larger than life. And there are literally millions of people today, like myself, who feel like they lost a family member. When I was listening to some of the audio last night, I started to get a little teary-eyed. And I'm sure that happened to a lot of people across the state of Indiana as the news broke. But let's review his record. Known as the general, he won 902 career games, a record when he retired in 2008, currently fifth all time. He won an NCAA title as a player at Ohio State and as a coach, won three times. He had five 
Final Four teams, 11 Big Ten titles, and was three times the AP College Coach of the Year. He also coached Michael Jordan and Team USA to the 1984 Olympic gold medal. And, and it's more, it is so much more than just the wins. The wins are what drew people to IU basketball at a fever pitch the likes never seen before or after. But Bob Knight was so much more than just his wins and his losses. And it's interesting because I know a lot of people are having guests on today and former IU players and people telling their stories of playing for Bob Knight. Look, I think that's wonderful and I think it's a great way to remember Bob Knight. But what I would think you could do and maybe like JMV will do this this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe the midday show, Query will do it. I don't know. Is I think you could simply for three hours just open the phone lines up mm. and have people call your show and tell you what Bob Knight meant to you. And no offense to the fabulous players that will tell their stories today and their memories of Bob Knight. But what Bob Knight meant to regular people, I think to me is way more interesting than the stories being told by people who were around Bob Knight because we like we kind of know a lot of them by this point there's not too many things that you look at and go boy I never knew that about Bob Knight but Bob Knight's ability to create an environment and an institution that for again literally generations was countless memories positive happy memories like to me I just so vividly remember when all the games were on TTV4 and even though my bedtime was nine o'clock, there were a couple things that exempted me from going to bed at nine <laughs> o'clock. If the Chicago Cubs played a played a road game on the on the West Coast, if uh, the Bears were on Monday or Sunday night football, or if IU basketball was playing in the evening, and it's like those memories I will never forget the rather avid animated discussions between my parents of my dad advocating to my mother why this was important that I stay up and Let be allowed stay up to, and watch. no matter what. And these are things that like a Bob Knight passing just brings back the memories of in which the world was a better place. Indiana was a better place. And we don't have that go-to unified institution like we did when Bob Knight was the coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. Because whether you were a Democrat or a Republican, whether you were conservative or liberal, whether you were rich or you were poor, no matter what your circumstance was, there was a unification in this state. And no offense to people who went to Purdue or Notre Dame. I know they have very loyal alumni fan bases. But let's face it, by and large, Purdue, and you can vouch for this, your daughter goes there, the fan base is a, is a, is a alumni fan base. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, I went to Purdue. I have pride in Purdue, and I support Purdue. Great. Wonderful. Notre Dame, kind of an off spin of if you were a football fan, yeah. maybe you happen to be a basketball fan, too. But IU was the default school in the state of Indiana in which the overwhelming majority of people were IU basketball fans, and it centered around and it mm-hmm. cultivated around Bob Knight, which is why when Bob Knight left, so many people like me went with Bob Knight. We became Texas Tech fans, right? Mm -hmm. Bob Knight was bigger than the program itself, and he got done totally raw, and it was so awful that he went out the way he did, but at least there was some semblance of closure back in 2020 when he got to come back. If you were to ask somebody, what do you think of Indiana? What comes to mind when you think of the state of Indiana? Chances are they will say something like cornfields 
and basketball. Yeah. And when they say basketball, they mean Bob Knight. And I think it's and look again, there's so many people out there today because of course you have to crap all over everything. The people who just feel they get gain some relevance, like pointing out the flaws of Bob Knight. Was Bob Knight flawed? Yes, absolutely. Did he do some things that you would say, wow, that was a terrible representation of himself and at times the university? Yes. But the reason Bob Knight was not only able to escape repercussion for those things, but also come out more beloved afterwards than before was because of of what he brought to millions of people week in and week out with Indiana basketball and how in the aggregate, the good that he did, whether it was his players never cheated, his players graduated, his players became productive members of society, obviously the winning, Bob Knight's immense charitable heart and well-documented instances, not by him, but by others, of him giving of himself and his time and his treasure that so far outweighed the bad. And look, you can call me an, you know, an excuse person here if you want, but people looked at what Bob Knight was and what he meant to them and what he brought to this state. And they just, he simply had this magical ability that whether it was punching a cop in Puerto Rico or tossing a chair or, uh, you know, allegedly maybe sticking some soiled toilet paper in a player's face, (laughs) you just went out and said, that's our Bobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, Casey, when when he was on the tape that did him in of him grabbing Neil Reed by the throat, and I remember this so vividly, and I am guilty of this. People looking at that tape, crystal clear evidence of what he did, and going, I don't know, maybe he grabbed him by the jersey. <laughs> this isn't the Zapruder film here. I mean, this isn't crystal. It was the endearing nature of Bob Knight, and we need, because we are lacking in a world of things that are unifying and people who consistently make us feel better about ourselves. And Bob Knight did that with Indiana basketball. Yep, there are shared experiences. And the IU president issued a statement and she said, as we collectively mourn the passing of Coach Knight, we also celebrate a man who will always be an integral part of Indiana University's rich and vibrant story. With unmatched accomplishment, Coach Knight's brilliance ensures he will forever rest among the giants of college basketball. And, and we'll cover this obviously more throughout the, the show today. And again, look, I know many people are having guests on mm-hmm. and that's wonderful and great. And I think there are going to be a lot of great stories. I just thought for us, hey, the personal stories are every bit as, it's one of these rare things where the personal stories and how Bob Knight impacted regular people is every bit as interesting to me as the well-known famous celebrity basketball players that were impacted because he was so broad and he was so big. You know who totally, and again, this is a terrible pivot, but we have to do it because there's other things to talk about. You know, there's never a good time for someone to pass away, but a guy who lost a major news day because of Bob Knight passing away was Mike Braun Mm -hmm. because Donald Trump endorsed Mike Braun yesterday and no one is talking about it. Yeah, nobody is. But as we go into commercial, here's a uh, quote from Bob Knight, probably one very appropriate today. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. All right. 
23 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Another big news story happened yesterday, and that was the fact that Donald Trump endorsed Mike Braun in his bid to become governor of Indiana. Donald Trump said he was proud to endorse Mike when he ran for Senate in 2018, and he's proud to do so again. Okay, so Mike Braun, look, I mean, we we are uh, truth talkers here and we're direct with people and sometimes direct maybe, well, that sounds a little insensitive. Mike Braun got totally screwed yesterday with Pub Knight passing away because this was a story for like, like an hour mm-hmm. because this endorsement came down, I think at like 545 or 540 or somewhere like that. And it was put out there, and then within, it seemed like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, the news began to break that Bob Knight had passed away, and this thing just got totally just shelved yeah. to, to the side. And uh, look, this was a big get for him. We're not going to kid you here and say this was not a, a big get for him. Um, I do wonder, though, how that translates given two things. One, it's October, well, it's November now. So you're still seven months ahead, basically, uh, November, December, January, February, March, April, uh, six six months, because first first of May. So how long can you milk this thing for, mm. monetize, whatever? And two, it still doesn't fix the issue that Braun's going to have in a pro- Republican primary, which is if these people running against him are worth anything, which that's saying a lot, given the field, I know. But if they're worth anything, they're going to run ads on a loop that Mike Braun voted for the largest tax increase in Indiana state history. And he has no answer for that. Mike Braun is running, if if these people do their jobs and hold him accountable, as the only guy in the field who voted for the largest tax increase in Indiana state history. Now, uh, Suzanne, Silent Suzanne, Mm -hmm. she's tied to it because she supported Holcomb, but there's no vote. She didn't cast a vote. Mike Braun voted to raise the taxes in a just a massive number at a time where people are still really feeling pain at the pump and that tax has continued in in perpetuity since Mike Braun voted to raise it it goes up every year so if I'm Curtis Hill if I'm Brad Chambers if I'm Doden uh, I don't think Crouch probably has the grounds to run on this but if I'm any of those other three people I'm beating the hell out of this guy over the fact that he voted for these tax increases and he's got no answer for it. Yeah, well, he's going to try and bury that for sure. Sure. He he doesn't want anybody to be reminded of that. I had a conversation last night with some people about this, and their their feelings were that right now this is a contest between Brad Chambers and Mike Braun. Uh... I don't know who this person was, but I could not disagree with them more. Really? I think if you're not including Curtis Hill in the equation, Mm -hmm. because Curtis is the wild card, then this is in no way an endorsement with Curtis. But what I'm I'm saying is from event after event, Curtis has the best attendance, the most engaged audience. Now, is that a minute 15% that he can't expand upon? Don't know. Curtis has had, it appears, some problems raising money. That's going to hurt him. Well, that's to the point I was going to say Curtis also has the smallest budget to work with well, at this he, point. Here's the thing you know about the Curtis Hill voter, though. They will show up. They're absolutely going to be engaged. And how much does a grassroots type campaign help? Now, I would agree with you. It's Braun, and I think Chambers has the ability to spin whatever narrative he wants because he's going to have infinite money. But I just think any any equation that doesn't involve Curtis Hill right now. Now, in three months, if Curtis still can't raise money and get on TV and et cetera, then maybe. But uh, 
this definitely helps Braun. There's no doubt he'll be able to run ads saying endorsed by Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> the endorsement, the endorsement kind of makes me laugh because it's so Donald Trump. It's like a typical Donald Trump yeah, endorsement. It is. The first sentence, highly respected Senator Mike Braun is running for governor of Indiana, a state I love, <laughs> and won by large margins in 2016 and 2020. Donald Trump can't help but make an endorsement of somebody else about himself. Does an endorsement matter at all to you, Casey? Um, I think it's interesting. I I. I think there's a lot of people who will pay attention to who Donald Trump endorses. Well, For a race like this, when you have so many names in the field, that does help separate Mike Braun just a little bit. And because we know they all listen, even though we're told nobody listens, if you are Chambers, if you are Doden, if you are silent... I mean, they you, would have liked to have had well, that endorsement. But my point is, if you're Curtis, you have got to, just free campaign advice here... Why you guys have already not started in on him in this gas tax vote is absolutely beyond me. And if you allow him to get a free pass on this, he is going to be the Republican nominee for governor. You have a magic, if you are a Republican running in this primary, you have a magic bullet in your chamber, which is Mike Braun screwed the taxpayers when he was a state rep. And if you don't take it, then don't be mad when you're looking up at Braun with a resounding victory on election day. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 934. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the European Parliament is one of the legislative bodies of the European Union and one of its seven institutions. Now, this parliament is composed of 705 members and it represents the second largest democratic electorate in the world. Yeah, so basically what it, it, an MEP is they're known, stands for a member of the European Parliament, and they represent what they call member states at the European Union. So Germany, mm-hmm. a member state of the European Union, these people go represent Germany uh, as a part of the European Union. Union. It's it's almost like a mini United Nations, if you want to kind of think of it that way. It's not that's not exactly a great description, but trying to tell you who this person is and why they are of relevance to you. That is the description. By the way, real quick before we get to this audio, fabulous job by and he knew it. He knew it. Fabulous job going with the Michael Stanley band on the bumper music. Thank I, you. I yeah, you know what's funny about that? It's very reminiscent of John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band. <laughs> it is that saxophone. You yeah. wash that mouth out with soap. Anyway, I was gonna forget to say that. So thank you. All right. So <laughs> this lady is uh, her name is uh, Christine Anderson. Mm-hmm. She is a German MEP, so she represents Germany at the European Union. So this is not Fran off the street or someone they found, you know, buried in a bunker somewhere. This is an elected official. Yes, that's correct. And uh, she was she's talking about COVID. And why don't we play it first? Because this is what I and many others have been saying for a very, very, very long time. This whole COVID madness, this so-called pandemic, it was just a test balloon, a gigantic test balloon. Well, for what, you ask? Well, to see how far they could go, to see what exactly they would have to do to get free individuals in a free and democratic society to consent to being forced into compliance. That's what they were trying to establish. That's what they were trying to figure out. And they have, they have figured it out. Trust me, 
They are much smarter now. Hmm. Okay, so she's saying that COVID was a beta test for un- by unelected globalists to see how easy it would be to seize control. Okay, so, well, let's play this out. So think about this, the Michigan football scandal. This guy who allegedly bought tickets that was a coach and, and got people to film the games. We are such an instantaneous information society that we can allegedly find this guy on the sidelines of a game or a guy who looks just like this guy from a year ago or whenever it was wearing shades and a hat. And that's how quick we can decipher information. Now, whether it's him or not, we don't know. But we can do that almost Mm -hmm. instantaneously. Mm -hmm. But three years on from certainly the most important thing to happen in this country and around the world in a post-World War II world. And we have no idea the origins of this this thing. We have no idea uh, the role gain of function played into it. We have no idea whether it was definitively, no, we know, but we we have no definitive proof that it was, whether it was created in a lab or people are still saying it came from a bat. Isn't that isn't that a giant red flag to everyone that three years on on this thing mm-hmm. and we still have just essentially no information other than what whenever you get a senator that happens to press somebody in front of Congress and you get some vague response to something? I mean, look, hard to argue with what she's saying, Casey, yeah. given how it all worked out right. and given the growth of governments around the world and the devaluing of money for regular people and the reduction of buying power for regular people and how the super wealthy got super wealthier mm-hmm. during COVID and everybody else got a giant middle finger. Imagine all the information that they collected and they can now implement those tactics in the future sure. to further their agenda. Okay, so this woman, Christine Anderson, the German MEP, she continues and she warns us. So I'm really imploring the people and all the peoples around the world, for God's sake, stop giving your democratically elected governments the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. They are not deserving of that. They are not. Stop rationalizing whatever your government is doing. Try, stop rationalizing and come up with some good intentions. They have no good intentions. Your politicians have no good intentions. Agree, Casey, 100%. Do not comply. Wow. Uh, Look, I mean, we've been saying this for a very long time. The lesson of COVID to these politicians was no matter what they do to you, they'll take your jobs. They'll try to put you in jail for not wearing masks. Whatever they did, the American people just said, great. Now I'm going to shut up now so we can go out with some Michael Stanley. Merritt's coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Show. I'm Rob. Casey's here, and look who it is. It's the nicest man in all of Indiana politics and government. In fact, was beloved by everyone in the state house before he became friends with me. Spent 30 years there. Uh, the great Jim Merritt. Hello. Good morning, all. Uh, all right, so let's start with Diego Morales, ah. our old pal. And mm-hmm. we did the story earlier this week of him handing out, according to Capital Chronicle, 308 large in spot bonuses. Mm-hmm. 
And you spent 30 years in the Indiana General Assembly. You helped write these laws. Clarify for everyone so they don't think it's Rob settling grudges on air. This was totally not the intention of the spot bonus. No, it, it the spot bonus, uh, right now, uh, Indiana is woeful in how we pay our state employees. Uh, the legislature did a good job of trying to catch us up with, uh, I think, a, at least a 10 or 12% increase for all employees of state government with just income. Uh, but you, you you get what you pay for, and and that may have taken us from like 45th to 35th out of all the states in the union. And so what, what we have tried to do, or when I was there, when the legislature wanted to give – uh, department heads the ability to have a, to give an employee a bonus, a, 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 something as an incentive, something as a, a thank you, and um, and uh, Secretary of State Morales has kind of taken that uh, to the line, and and uh, uh, this is a lot of money. Uh, I believe in spot bonuses. I think we need to give incentives. Other states have, and I think Mitch Daniels did this, and he probably put all the suggestions in the suggestion box, but uh, having good ideas down in in, in the departments so Indiana uh, and, and its government would run better. Uh, and and so <laughs> I think Mitch put most of the suggestions in his own suggestion box because he's brilliant. But uh, bottom line, Mitch Daniels, our former governor, uh, bottom line is, is that the, the intent of the legislature in the law is to take maybe two or three people in a department and give them a bonus incentive or congratulations or thank you. Uh, and, and now, as was reported, 68 of the 75 employees have been given uh, a bonus. I, I, Casey, I wouldn't want to be the other seven. Right. Does that tell you? You should see the writing on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So he passed out over $300,000. I'm surprised. Is that just in the Secretary of State's budget, or is that one big budget no. or one big slush fund he can pull from each department uh in this case secretary of state's office has a certain amount of money that is um offered uh, uh, provided to them and i i don't know if i would be want to be the one who represents the secretary of state's office when the next budget session comes up with the indiana general assembly because uh well now they're going to look at that line yeah, item yeah th- this is something that uh the legislature will take seriously and uh and and probably put a cap on what you can give people and uh and take kind of the take the uh responsibility allow the responsibility but uh you know kind of put a cap on exactly how much you can uh incentivize people for good work i mean these numbers are gross like the intention was supposed to be and i say this is somebody who was at the state and saw people get these is taking regular people who are going above and beyond board and 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 you know saying hey here's five hundred dollars because you had two people out of maternity leave and you're in customer service and you did the work of three people for Mm -hmm. well you look at the governor's office i think i think he awarded and this is really this is the intent of the law he probably awarded two i think it was four four maybe a couple thousand dollars Mm -hmm. or four or five thousand i don't know how much it was but but that what that is the intent of the law is reward for performance and um and and it's he's kind of going uh diego's kind of going around the budgeting 
Well, that's uh, what process. That, that's the important part, right? He's yeah. saying I don't like the way the salaries are structured to the general assembly. He's basically saying I don't like the way the salaries are structured or what my people are making. So screw you guys who did it. We've got this, and I'm gonna you know just bleed this thing as dry as I can and get around the intent of the legislature. And think about this. So according to Capital Chronicle, his brother-in-law got two of these bonuses, and then you've got his uh, former campaign manager. Mm-hmm getting two of these bonuses and then you've got uh let's see auto dealer services co-director kyle bonnick and chief legal counsel jerry bonnet according to capital chronicle getting sixteen thousand five hundred dollars again the, the, the spot bonuses are not intended for the top people it's like the rank and file people who merit talked about are you know moms just working to get by and feed their family and are doing extra work and it's just like he totally abused the intent of this it worked, worthwhile thing working around the general assembly and the governor and uh jerry Ponnet probably deserves more than that but uh really the bottom line here is that he's working around the budget uh and and he's got another headline and and these situations that when they come out in the media do not uh push confidence in in the in the um citizenry the hoosiers of the state of indiana and and it's it's too bad because uh, the Secretary of State's office, uh, the responsibilities have grown incredibly in the last 30 or 40 years. And and that individual is in charge of a lot. Of, it's like a lieutenant governor. So many responsibilities that people don't understand or don't know. And uh, and but it's, it's just putting a, a pall. And, and I wouldn't want to be one of the seven that didn't get a bonus. Yeah. The official language from State Department Personnel Department is... The spot bonus is designed to, quote, recognize outstanding performance on the spot. There's no way 68 out of 75 people are, and some of them more than a, once. A couple of them twice. I mean, come on. It's just like, but yet, but so this comes to the question, Casey, that I asked Jim on uh, Statehouse Happenings this week. There just seems to be one thing after another with Diego Morales, and yet... The Republicans in the state house just never say anything publicly. They never criticize him publicly. That this is fine. I mean, wh- why does nobody ever speak out against against this guy? You know these people over there, Jim. Well, first of all, I thought you asked Casey that question, but bottom line is that we take care of our own. Uh, he didn't break any laws. He's stretching the law, but uh, bottom line is is that uh, that. Uh, he's a constitutional office, so he can he can do what he wants to do within the when within the Indiana Constitution and the in the code book of the state of Indiana. But the bottom line is is that he's stretching the law. He's going to the the, the line, and uh, I, I can tell you that leaders in the General Assembly, the people that put the budget together, and and those that work on these issues are not happy today. All right. Do you think that this is his way of telling them to change the budget? Oh yeah, I think it I yeah. think it's a big message saying that we don't pay our people enough. I'm going to I'm going to take this and I'm going to pay my people so they stay there and maybe the people I didn't pay will go away. Hmm. All right, real quick before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh Nikki Kelly covered the John Rust hearing mm-hmm. uh yesterday. John Russ, the egg farmer, trying to run on the Republican side for U.S. Senate, the state of Indiana, doing everything they can to try to stop him. 
And Jim Bopp, who is the super lawyer hired by the state to try this case, which that's gross that we're spending all this extra taxpayer money to keep some guy from running for public office. But he said something yesterday in this hearing, Jim, that and there's very few things that surprise me or make me want to just fall on the floor. But this was one. So I'm going to read Nikki Kelly's uh, tweet on this because she did a phenomenal job at the play by play quote. Bob says Russ does not have a right to associate with the Republican Party. He says it's the opposite. Up to the Republican Party to choose who they want to associate with. So essentially, the way I interpreted that, Jim, is Jim Bob, who is the lawyer representing the, the state in this case, is saying, well, even if Rust met the two primary voting requirement, the Republicans could still say, nah, we don't like you, mm-hmm. screw you, get out of here. And basically that the law doesn't even matter. Well, the law is the law. And and I we, we can't control what Mr. Bob says in a court of law. But as I've said before, we want Republicans running as Republicans and Democrats, I'm sure, feel the same. And, and, and maybe the law should be changed with the county chairman uh, having the idea or the ability to sign off on a candidacy. We've seen these issues before, uh, but, but we've seen... Uh, what the legislature wants to do is they want Republicans representing Republicans. And uh, Mr. Bopp is hired by uh, Todd Rukiti, the attorney general, is not elected from the Republican Party and, and represents the attorney general. And so he's trying to win a case and, and make it quite clear to the to the judge of what the law actually means in his opinion. But I mean, you got to I mean, even you and you're the most party guy out there. You got to look at that and go, that's ridiculous to say. I mean, I don't know how else you interpret that other than to say, well, even if this guy followed the law, the Republicans can still say, no, nah, we don't want to we well, don't want to associate with you. So why do we even have a law? I mean, he mm-hmm. it's almost like the same thing Morales is doing. This guy saying, ah, just thumb your nose at the General Assembly. It doesn't matter what the law says. Well, he's not speaking for me. Uh, we, 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 as a Republican, I think in a good standing that I am other than my association with you. Uh, <laughs> what is the law is the law. And and the county chairman being able to sign off, I think that's going to get uh, a um, a real bright look at this next mm-hmm. session of legislature. Well, it almost seems in regards to elections, the county chairman is potentially the most powerful person in the state. That's why I wanted to be one. Ah, okay. <laughs> they are. The and county chairman look what that of the party. <laughs> yeah. the, county, the county chairman of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party has a lot of power in Marion County as I served and, and throughout the other 91 counties because they have final say-so and a lot of appointment. Not so much anymore, but uh, it used to be enormously powerful. Now it's just powerful. F- final thought before I let you go. Mm-hmm. They they alleged in that hearing yesterday, Harder, I think, was the attorney's name for Rust, that 81% of Hoosiers are ineligible to run in the Democrat or Republican primary under the current state law. That's a terrible message to send to people. Yeah, I, I don't know how they – I don't know how that – um, stat came up. I don't know how you quantify that, but uh, bottom line is 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 harder representing Rust and wants to win a case. And and uh, Rust has a lot of money and he's not going away. And uh, until, as our friend Abdul says, until we get to a convention situation in a, in a primary where where the the citizens are paying for the primary, 
and I, I support the idea of getting back to a convention in in a county and in a in a state Agreed. in the state. Hundred percent. Yeah. And then, so, I'll, and then I'll shut up because then I got no leg to stand on. But if you're gonna make me pay for it, I should be allowed to participate. We should get back to a convention. Yep. yep. All right. What's coming up with you? What are you doing now? Uh, uh, Jim Underline Merritt with Twitter yeah. and uh, at YouTube, Facebook, everything. Uh, Merritt in the morning is it, we're we're uh, taping it today on Thursday. We're live today from Cafe Audrey and the founder of Sun King Ooh. Brewery is going to be our guest. Exciting. How exciting. Make sure you get some samples. <laughs> Casey. All right. Thanks, Jim. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 13%, Rob. Ooh. Right now, you can get a 13% bonus when you invest your money. Uh, How's that, that sound? That is just like the most exciting thing I've heard all day. Tell me more. Yep, that's right. When you invest $100,000, you get a $13,000 bonus right out of the gate. And not only will you get a 13% bonus, you'll also get a competitive return, an average of 7% a year for the past 10 years. And get this, you'll sleep well knowing your money is backed by one of the largest insurance companies in the world! Mm -hmm. Exclamation point! (laughs) Learn more from Bill Demery, your retirement guy, right here in Indy. You know, he's our retirement guy, too. Mm -hmm. Just call 317-932-9912. This 13% bonus won't last long, so call 317-932-9912. That's 317-932-9912. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns.